victory looking to build. Barbarousas is quick. Is he in behind top or Stanley? It doesn't matter! Costa Barbarousas! Wow! Unbelievable kick from Mafia. Welcome back to the Oz Football Hour. Back again for another week. Unfortunately, uh, just me today, Lockie Flanagan, in the studio on today's live show or podcast if you're listening on demand. Was hoped to be joined by Jason Goldsmith, as I always am, but unfortunately, uh, a late workplace injury sees him out. So just me fly- flying solo today. I'm 100% fit and ready. That's wrong information, Lockie. Okay. Well, I stand corrected. Uh, it turns out that this gentleman sitting next to me right now is actually okay. Uh, Jason, not like Bruno Fornaroli, both ready to play. And uh, it's, it's it's good to have you. It's good to have it's you. Good. Sorry that I tried to erase your existence from no, the it's, show. No, it's, it's good to be here. It's good to be here. It's... um. Um, I think football excitement levels are starting to build. We've got uh, the Men's World Cup coming up and, of course, the draw for the Women's World Cup, three rounds of the A-League, a couple of undefeated teams. Um, it's starting to ramp up a little bit. Access All Areas has been fantastic. I it think has. it's – um, let's talk – we started this sort of season of the Oz Football Hour on, on a few negatives, but the positives are starting to you know, outweigh it. It's been fantastic. They are. They're, they're, there's – it's 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 not all rosy, but there. I think no. I think green shoots. I think there there's a lot of cause for optimism. I yes, think correct is, is what we're seeing. As there was, I think. Shall we start on on probably? Let's go with the the juiciest part first. Like yes. a, you know, child trying to eat a dinner. You want to yeah. eat the steak first, and the salad comes later. Um, you know, the salad will be sort of I don't know, Perth Glory, Central Coast right. Mariners. That's it. But you, but get, you don't get dessert until you've had your exactly. Salad. Yep. Let's start with the big juicy steak, and it was the Melbourne Derby. And the reason there were sort of uh, was cause for optimism. This game, of course, was it was uh, a sellout or announced as a sellout. The public allocation of tickets were exhausted, and while it wasn't quite a hundred percent full Amy Park, that I think everyone was. Perhaps expecting still a crowd of, of 23,000, uh, a rip-snorting atmosphere from, from both sets of fans. We saw Victory given the chance to sing the last couple of lines of Stand By Me with no music, which was, was nice. Uh, as someone who was there, it was good. But uh, despite their vociferous uh, North End being in attendance, didn't get the desired result. Melbourne City, again, sort of managing to get through and reclaim their place on the summit of the A-League men's table, staying perfect with a 2-0 win. What did you make of the, the game, Jason? Yeah, I, I think um, the the red card and the missed opportunities from Josh Brillante didn't really help victory's cause. Um, amazing atmosphere, amazing crowd. It's what we want. It's the Saturday night TV game. It's uh, exactly what um, what they were hoping for. Just on that, so that's victory's largest, uh, has largest crowd for the season, a better crowd than last season. Sydney FC and Brisbane Roar have also had better home crowds uh, already, as in a higher home crowd than last season as well. So things are looking up. Um, you know, some crowds have been down and people like to focus on those, but let's focus on that. Round well, three. Sydney, Adelaide, I think, was somewhere in the vicinity of 16,000 as well. And I think I think we were both discussing, I can't remember whether it was on air or, or off air, but if it was on air, you're welcome to, to fact check this. Mm. I think we were, we were talking about what's a, a good crowd for, for Sydney, and I think you said something in the well, vicinity of 15,000, and they, they cleared that bar, so that's, even, that's even, great. Well, even the Brisbane Roar have got 9,000 for one of the games, which is better than what they had all of last season, which is which is exciting. But back to, back to the Melbourne Derby. 
Um, I'm disappointed that um, it's still called the Melbourne Derby. I was hoping that the Mel Classico was going to take off at some stage, but that seems to have died in terms of the in the vernacular. I didn't even know that was a contender for. I think it should be the name. The Mel Classico would would be perfect. Um, yeah, the the penalty against Nani didn't help. Was clearly there, stood on his foot. J Mac put him up, and then some uh, some great team play from Melbourne City uh, to score their second. The own goal was through a set play from a corner, and then once. Um, Brillante was off and they were down to 10 men in the first half. It was always going to be a struggle. And I think City did enough to hang on. will be interesting to see the next access all areas because you'll have a mic'd up uh, Paddy Kisnorbo and in the dressing rooms uh, mm. covering the Melbourne Derby for, for the episode three of A-League's access all areas. Were victory a bit unlucky in this game? Was there a bit of misfortune? I mean, it's easy to sort of focus on that 10 to 15 minute burst which saw them cop two goals in the space of uh, three minutes Josh Berlante you know receiving his his second yellow which effectively killed the game but even with 10 I thought victory had uh, a promising time they did create some good chances of course City had a fair few opportunities in tra- transition, but the opening 10 minutes of the game too, victory were probably the better side. Oh, they, they, had that, look at they had that great chance with yeah. Berante who really, if he put his header, it was a weird one because a lot of people were praising Tom Glover for the save and it was good, but yep. Berlante puts the header literally anywhere else and it's, it's one yeah. nil. It was point blank. It was, and that that was the, that clearly was the difference. Um, I think um, victory coming back into the game into the second half, I'll put it down to the crowd because the massive support there also helps them out quite a bit, but it wasn't enough. I think City at 2-0 up and then against 10 men, they weren't going to throw that one away. Not the, not the way that they've started. They're undefeated and, um, and really, you know, kick things off quite well for their, for their season. Mm, exactly. I, I feel like ultimately uh, victory on the balance of the play were probably better. Like they they sort of created more chances, but part of that was because City were allowing them to have that control in the in the second half as they looked to sort of kill the game. And yep. to be honest, on the break, it very easily could have been four or five nil in favour of City if they had have taken a few more of those chances. But ultimately, the key moments in this game, I just think victory City handled themselves better. They had a better management of those important moments, and that yep. basically allowed them to to generate a, a stranglehold. Um. And the other talking port was, uh, we spoke last week, Marco Tilio. So Tilio mm. starts for City, um, thanks to Gamulka's red card, and comes on. Now, how did you find his game? For me, he's super rusty, and he had a couple of opportunities that um, if he puts away, we're talking Socceroos stuff again. So um, hopefully he gets to start next week. Well, how did you how did you see him? Well, week to week, his, I guess his Socceroos chances take a bump, just for no other reason than actually making it through a full game yep. as opposed to getting a handful of minutes or, or none at all. But I, I do I, – I thought he was probably, if I had to put it out of 10, I'd say he was a six and a half. He was a seven. Okay. Was, was, he a, was, he a, was he a standout in the game? No, not really. Did he have a few nice moments? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, a couple of nice moments and, you know – uh, your mate Arnie in the crowd helps as well, I guess, in terms of... Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I wonder if maybe, again, I, we don't know what Graham Arnold is judging his making his assessments based on, but a lot of the... Something that people have spoken a lot about with respect to Tilio has been that sort of taking of chances, particularly after that big miss in the New Zealand game, and then 
he had a big chance against Western United that he should have scored when he came yep. off the when he came off the bench in in that fixture. And I think maybe in that regard, he didn't do a lot to move the needle because he did have some great chances mm. that again he wasn't able to put away. So if that's something that's on Graham Arnold's mind, then maybe it hasn't done him that much of a help. But the fact that he's getting into those positions, yeah, well, I think- and scything through people, I still think is pretty good and. If there is a rustiness element, if he starts again next week, which I don't see PK necessarily changing a winning team, mm. but for potentially Scott Jamison, he's only going to build from here, I think. Yeah, agree. So, look, if he's getting match fit and he's running in the right lines and it's just the touch that's that's eluding him at the moment, then, you know, 90 minutes on the CV looks a lot better than three. So, Absolutely. Um, and City got Phoenix at home Coming Sunday up. five pm. Yeah, yeah. so uh, hopefully that's a, another another chance for for Tilio to put his case forward. We because we 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 need and we want um, genuine X factor type players knocking on the door, really, don't we? So let's yeah. let's hope he gets some more minutes. We'll definitely touch on a few more of those players who are in contention for mm-hmm. that X factor slot lately. Maybe a, a last point on on this game. He's someone whose name has come up. He was late out mm-hmm. for this fixture. I think it was a, a, a groin strain or something that might have been troubling him during the week and just didn't get up with a, a, a late-minute fitness test, of course. City captain Scott Jamison, who didn't feature in this game. He did feature in my interpretation of the game because the Melbourne City players' box was right next to where I was, and so Jamo was standing up the whole time, and I could yep. see his silhouette reacting to every single moment. A lot of the time, hear his reaction. So well, I reckon uh, he strikes me as the type of guy that would would um, you know feel every kick. On the yeah, sidelines. no, passionate. Yeah, that's yeah. that's for sure. But he didn't feature in this game. The fact that it's a late fitness test suggests to you that he's still pretty close to being ready to play, being able to play, and he is also the captain. Mm. So you're expecting him to come back this week, if not this week, then possibly the the next. But can't take, it's hard for it, yeah. it. It does feel as though it will be hard for him to crack this 11 because Jordan Boss, I thought, playing his direct position uh, or his normal position was brilliant in this game. Uh, mm. uh, uh, an exquisite two-way performance. He kept Nani very quiet but was also able to to deliver in an attacking sense. He was another person who had a great opportunity to add City's third in the final stanza of the game. Uh, Callum Talbot. I mean, both of the young City fullbacks were really, really good. Talbot, I think, has been solid all season. And the position that Scott Jamison has been playing to start this year with a couple of absentees has been the centre of defence where we saw Curtis Good thrown out of and, the frying pan yeah. into the fire, asked to play a full 90 minutes well. on his return, yeah. and <laughs> did a pretty good job. So it's, it's, it's hard to see. It's an excellent point you raise because if you've got a guy that's that passionate and leads the team as as he has done for a long time, but you want an I sorry, I want the A-League meant to be a development league. So we see someone like Nathaniel Atkinson play in fullback and then go overseas to Scotland and now Jordan Boss. We want that to happen as well. So, um, uh, But a, Patrick Kinobo isn't a development coach. No, he's he's not. Not. He told, no, he no, told he's us not. he's not no, the Socceroos well, coach. Well, neither is Arnie was never. He's, this is not a development league, but I see it as such. This, as my, cause I, I know, but, yeah. but Patrick Kinobo would probably look at it and say, well, it's not my job. Maybe there's, you know, I've got to, I've got to have well, my captain playing. What, I don't know. But what where does he go? What is it, What position does he take? Like, that's the thing, right? You'd want to keep going with, with boss. I would anyway, and maybe see What does Patrick Kinobo, I guess, is the question I'm asking. Don't know. Well, there's something to po- to pose to him. I'm not sure, but City looking quite ominous at the at the moment. I think undefeated on top, and um, yeah, pretty pretty handy to have those kind of questions that you can't 
find a spot for your captain. It's it's pretty pretty good uh, yeah. space to be and, in. And definitely not the only positional or selection headache that Patrick Isnobo is mm. going to have. His tendency is to reward the 11 that gives him results, but yep. Gamulka missed because of suspension. Thomas Lamb is playing really well. Nuno Raish is, is unavailable still to return too. Thomas Lamb Florin could... Florin Berenguer. There's Florin like, Berenguer. Has their, has their team, right? Uh, Tom, Thomas Lamb could still come out of that central mm. defence and jump into midfield, and that creates a problem for a whole host of players. I mean, these you, are you lose Lecky and <laughs> look these are, and and Lecky was man of the match in that that sort of replacement midfield Aiden role that he played. Too. These are these yeah. are look the upshot of what we're rattling off here is these are good problems for City to have when they are a side that even with these absentees are perfect to open the first three rounds of the season and do look like the early pace setters for the premiership race at this stage absolutely although the other undefeated team we've got at the moment only played two games so a smaller uh, case is the Newcastle Jets that is true that yeah. is true they played uh, look we knew there was going to be goals or we hoped there would be goals in this game we predicted there would be goals in this game uh, against Wellington and often when you say that it can act as a bit of a Bit of a curse, but no, not at all. Newcastle Jets, 3-1 winners mm. over the Wellington Phoenix. Oh, that was quite, uh, quite an entertaining game, Jason. It really was. First half especially, um, well, that's where all the goals came in the first half. So we had everything, you know. Um, Jets scoring some crackers early. Um, Phoenix getting back to 2-1 late in that first half. And then uh, Trent Bahaja scoring just before half time. He, um, he did Trent Bahaja things in the second half from memory, I think, and missed, a, missed a quite a simple chance. But... Um, some some decent some cracking goals and um a decent start for Newcastle they can't uh, really complain and uh, two and zero oh, it's amazing so it, good on them yeah uh, two, well two of the goal of the week contenders yep. from this round were both from just this game I mean that strike from which one was your favourite one oh, well the the replacement Becker or what is it it's the it feels unfair to call him Becker two yeah. Datsmelia, is that who yeah, pronounced Be- Becker, it? Yeah, Becker, Datsmelia. I mean, his goal was, was brilliant. Yeah, Bo- Bojidar Krajev's yep. opening showing for the Phoenix was good mm. as they looked to get back into the game. But ah, Datsmelia, was, was that, that, was, that was probably the, the goal of the, the weekend for me. But it, it felt like Newcastle, they're perfect, but I don't think in either game they've been at – I mean, the record is perfect, but I don't think in either game they have been – at their best. In fact, it, this week it kind of felt like Newcastle. This wasn't. It was a win, but it wasn't a a win in the same sort of fashion that we've come to come to know from the Jets, being more possession based, being a bit more fluid in terms of what they like to do on the ball. It did feel like it was a bit more of a, a transitional game, and it obviously helps when you're sort Three of one up, you're, yeah. you've got a, a false nine playing with. Well, it helps when you're 3-1 up, but also you've got a false nine playing with two of the fastest players in the league. Is this a shift in ideology? Is this a plan B for Arthur Pappas? Is this a case of if you can't beat them playing you know, transition first football, you have to join them? I guess he's managing to what he's got on the park, which is, is what you want want to see, I guess. I mean, we'll get a, a really good understanding this weekend. We've got the Wanderers and the Jets on Friday night, and it's um, second and third taking on each other um, in the one-out standout game there on Friday night make a difference. So, yeah, I think maybe Pappas is just coaching to the players rather than to a system, which is which is what I always think should happen. But um, 
Yeah, but they could have gone four one up. Bahaja missed a, a pretty simple um, chance with one out with the keeper as well, which is difficult. Um, and then yeah, the Phoenix away from home. You were hoping for for something a little bit better. You were a little bit. I, that I think you're right though. That that game against Wanderers will be compelling viewing from a Newcastle perspective as to how do they adjust that sort of tactical setup. The more transition heavy approach helped them in this game. It, it it's basically what what guided them to a win. But the Wanderers are already inside the opening three rounds of the season. One of if not well, I think City would have to take the cake as being the mm. best defensively organized and they've got the sort of runs on the board in that regard. But Wanderers have been pretty comfortable so far. We'll get to their draw with Brisbane very shortly. But it's a team we're trying to manipulate the the play of the game as Jet, the Jets did in, in this fixture against Wellington is going to be a little bit harder. They're not as easy as a team to to find gaps through even on the break. That's yeah, they might have to adjust. Maybe mm. this is a maybe this is the week where we find out that they're actually switching up and it's a more horses for courses tactical approach and they might go back to that sort of I don't want to say the old way of Jets playing, but that sort of style that we've come used to seeing from them under Arthur Pappas. It's yeah, going to be really interesting to see how they adjust and shift their approach to accommodate what the Wanderers bring to the table, who for all the time I've spent praising their defensive solidity inside the opening uh, few weeks did, uh, well, concede a goal on the weekend from Charlie Austin, who got off the mark in a one-all draw at Combank Stadium. So, yeah, your man Joe Knowles providing the assist there as well for Charlie. So, finally, he missed a, a gilt edge chance in the first half uh, and and when he had an open player and, and he didn't find him. I can't remember who it was from, from memory. Uh, and at one nil down, he managed to score in the second half from a, a Joe Knowles cross. So, Charlie Austin, we, we talked about this um, last week prior to the A-League access all areas. And I think it's a good chance to bring it up. We're thinking, like, how are they going to make – uh, the documentary about Charlie Austin when the game that they focused on was the game against Melbourne City when he didn't didn't even get the ball and couldn't mm. touch it. Well, we found out how they were going to make the documentary of it when they showed that halftime bust-up. What did you make of the uh, Access All Areas? Well, I th- it, it, it eased a lot of my... Not, not concerns. I, I thought the first episode was, was good as well, but I... I as you said, I guess the concern or the the curiosity was always how do you cover a team that isn't riding high, hasn't just won, uh, you know, hasn't just won the big blue or yeah. something like that. And I think they did a very good job of it. Does it, I think it helped that they have someone who is clearly such a character and such a tremendous media performer and has such an incredible story like Charlie Austin, but they got the they got the juicy bits of of the loss and they showed that frustration and it did make for really compelling viewing often the, often the struggle is 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 more a more captivating narrative for the neutral viewer than than the success I know story. so we've had we've had um Nani we got we've had Charlie Austin and we're going to get his Norma winning a, a Mel, Mel, Melbourne derby I won't say Mel Classico I'll try and make it work but I um the numbers are off the chart for this um access all areas in terms of the YouTube views and the keep up um, views and the rest of it, like more so than the actual games. So um, hats off to uh, the A-League men for this in terms of 
promoting our sport to people that may not be watching the sport because that is some compelling viewing. If you want to see, if you follow any other sport and you want to see a dressing room bust up like we saw, um, Connor Chapman and Charlie Austin, it's um, it's fantastic. So that whole drive to survive approach is something to um, yeah, it's something to be commended. And the other thing in regards to this documentary series, it's you know you and I probably. Why don't, you know, to the Euro snobs and others, why aren't you watching Australian football? There's some good stuff to offer. You can watch the NPL, you can watch the A-League. Men, you can watch the A-League women. This, I think, might be the thing that you introduce Euro snobs to as well. Because this is, you know, Nani, someone's known, Charlie Austin, someone that's known. So that's a little intro into the Australian game and you're watching 25 minutes of a documentary style and, and so far they haven't missed. I was really impressed. Yeah, likewise, likewise. I really, th- I think they are onto a, onto a winner. It's 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 content that is appeasing the sort of core football audience to begin with, and and now with this episode at least, we've seen clips of it crack, not the mainstream mm-hmm. necessarily, but have had a sort of wider reach. I saw quite a lot of like big football accounts on Twitter and stuff. Not that that's sort of the the, the panacea of like what we should be. We'll talk about social media when we what, get to what we should, game, yeah, yeah. What, what we should be be shooting for. Um, but I still think that's a that's a really promising sign, and and we have been a very sanitized outward facing media presence. I think the A League in in the way that the the players and the teams have been presented because we're sort of wanting to shield away from criticism. But I think this series so far is doing a great job of breaking down that barrier because a lot of people don't invest in yeah they they the sport they, or a team or they don't have a connection they're, they're to given, a team they're given right. a specific they have a specific reason to invest in something and some sometimes just representing a geographical area or something yep. like that is 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 not enough, but having a player that you really care about, someone you find interesting, someone that you'll follow not just when they're at that club, but when they yep. go to other clubs, is is a really, really big deal. And, and this, Charlie Austin is someone someone who is definitely like this. That. This point of difference, though, I just hope the momentum stays where it's going to be tough for them. There, they'll be madly scrambling and editing to get it all together well, and right for Thursday night. If they if they're covering a weekend's game. As closing it off and having it that fresh, yeah, you know, four days later. And the other, the other thing is that the, as has been the case with the opening two, I'm not suggesting that the other games won't be planned or the other episodes, sorry, won't be planned quite a ways in advance. But clearly, a lot of pre-planning and pre-season filming has gone into this feature yeah, yeah, specifically, yeah. and that obviously added the. I really don't want to call it a narrative element, but like the story well, it is. You got your, that, your two of biggest, Charlie Austin's yeah. family, which I wasn't something I was aware about the the birth mm. of one of their 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 children. I had no idea that that was the case, and I w- I was welling up as I, I was well. It's it's it. the two the two biggest signings for in terms of notoriety in the league. Mm. So we start with the two biggest signings, but Charlie Austin is also the clear. And again, I, I don't. I don't want to just be constantly shifting the goalposts mm. on what this series needs to achieve and what it needs to do. But it, you do have to ask how it is packaged. When I mean Charlie Austin is probably the like the best 
media talent now. He's probably yeah. like number one in the power rankings. True. So they're going. What to... happens when they don't have someone like that? I know, but they, they haven't proved. They haven't let us down so far. No, and they'll go to a Melbourne derby, then they'll do a Sydney derby, and then they'll they'll go do some other things. Uh, mark my words, the way it started, the other codes will copy this format. I'm sure of it. Oh, it's I, been I, I, I think so. We need to keep 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 the momentum going. I hope it was, it was, it was excellent. Yes. Yes. Well, we haven't spoken too much about the actual actual game. How do you feel if you're the Wanderers coming away from from this one? Uh, Suleiman yeah, Krupic obviously getting uh, his name on the score sheet again. I'm still not totally altogether convinced by him as a player, but yet he has two goals inside the opening three weeks. So. I think it's a, a lost opportunity given how the Raw played the week before in the game we just talked about for them not to win at home just to get the one point and the one all draw. It's a missed opportunity for the Wanderers. They'll need to get that back against Newcastle this week, but I just thought it was an opportunity gone missing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we've we've been through the derby, so that takes us on to... Actually, let's go back. Shall we, shall mm-hmm. we go back? Because there was a game that we've kind of glossed over and maybe in truth part of the reason we've skipped it over is because many other people did at least uh Crowd-wise. at least in the stands but the actual game itself i thought was was relatively compel- uh, compelling viewing as western united finally got their first points on the board in their their title defense a one all draw with macarthur in the pouring rain at amy park it was a, it was an interesting game at macarthur were i don't think at any point really the the best side in this one or created the best chances or really wanted to necessarily. Um, perhaps that was a, a gamble on Western United's lack of, of finishing inside the opening couple of rounds, uh, ability to put the ball in the back of the net. And if that was the case, well, it worked quite well for a long time because I think United did have the buck of the possession they had more chances than their opponents, but it was MacArthur who took the lead from a, a set piece, courtesy of of Matt Miller, who I'm sure had all I think n- well not nine, he's one of nine, so eight siblings plus mum and dad. There's like ten in attendance. They made up a pretty big total of that the uh, final, big, big final crowd. In the crowd. In the end. Look, um, yeah, people are, are talking about the crowd. Let's be honest. We've had we've got two expansion clubs in you know coming through some very difficult COVID years playing at a large stadium that's probably too big for their supporter base. So um, it was never going to be a huge crowd going to this game. But, yeah. Um, yeah, is that, is that a bit – some people might say that that's going a bit easy on on them. These were the teams that were – like their bids that were accepted. And you say that the stadium's not quite – big enough for their fan bases, but there are NPL venues that are not, not big enough for these well, these no, fan is, bases. They're, they're, they're choosing to play, well, they're playing their games at Amy Park, so it's going to look cavernous when they're hosting a team that has no real travel support outside of your eight siblings, you know what I mean? So yeah. I agree, they should be choosing other venues to do it, and everyone has said that all along. Until that their stadium's built, um, they're going to struggle to get a large following or an identity is just factual. You, you can't deny it. They're not going to get a three thousand home crowd at Amy Park. Is probably what. But the, but this is but, the, but this is not just any. I'm cho- I'm choosing to focus on where, Macarthur or an, another thing altogether. But this hmm. is these are the two of the three pieces of silverware that we have in the men's yeah. Australian game. 
two of the holders were playing in this game and the crowd doesn't edge more than more than 3,000 people. I know the weather wasn't great. I don't know they're not playing in their true catchment area, but like the, this is not just like some obscure mid-table team or like a team playing the NPL. This is the reigning A-League champions that, in that, the pinnacle not, competition of football in the state. That's not getting your neutrals to the game, I don't think. There's no... if. But I, but we're into their fourth season. I guess the question is, what, what is? What can they do? Is a true move to the West going to be this sort of um, panacea, this cure-all? Well, I want it to be. We, I think we all want it to be and to do that. So a 10,000, 15,000, well, 10,000 seat stadium in the West gets their chance to build into that local area and, and get some momentum. Yeah, but, and, yeah. and look, I'm not accusing the people who are at mm-hmm. Western United not trying or not making no, no, enough, no, enough effort. I, I know a lot of them and I know how passionate they are about making that club be a, a success, as much of a success off the pitch as it has been um, on on the pitch. Yeah. But at the same time, for as many sort of, I think, positive things that we've had come out of the opening few rounds of the season, ultimately any organization any competition is only as strong as its as its weakest links and off the pitch those signs are not great no they're not i mean as in diamante back on the pitch is a good thing like hopefully good, his yeah. old legs change or he's one person that gets you through the gates as a neutral or he wasn't when he started so whether his old legs can continue to go around and uh, provide the same form that saw him win a johnny warren medal that's probably something that can get some some uh, bums on seats, but uh, yeah, it's going to be a difficult slog for them. We know that, but anyway, would they have um, taken positive signs out of this game again? It they're was still, they're last on the table still. Well, a point is is great, but they created a they created a lot. Of, they probably created more chances in in this game than they did through the previous two combined. Is that more of a? a case of MacArthur not being as, as strong as the opponents have faced. I don't necessarily think that that's... I don't know. It's just, uh, we need a few more games to work that out, did, I reckon. Yeah, did, I need I a few mean, more I'm games not, to work that out. I'm not sure that we necessarily learnt an awful lot about either of these teams. MacArthur are going to be a side who relative, are relatively well-structured uh, defensively, they're going to try and let their sort of star-studded front three, who didn't really fire in this game, I think it's fair to say. Daniel Arzani had a couple of good chances, yep. but not really much more than that. I don't think there was ever consistent brilliance. Of course, they were missing they were missing Ulysses Davila, who's yep. a big part of that attacking you know, uh, output. Daniel De Silva obviously played a, a bit deeper in this game, although I think he did a very good job of doing that. But they are going to ask those front three to do the job. And, and sometimes if those front three aren't clicking in a game, if one of them is not at their best, it's not always going to work. Meanwhile, Western United continue, even though they did get their point, um, will continue to struggle without Alex Prijevic. Because even now that they're getting those chances and getting some good looks on goal, which they did, no one's putting them away as reliably as they need them to. So I'm not sure we learnt on or off the pitch a massive deal about either of those two sides. But no. either way, it's a good result for Western to at least be off the ground. True. And they take on the Mariners this week away, both of them with one point for the season so far. So it becomes a must win for both clubs at this early stage of the season. Yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong, but last time 
those two sides play each other. I think the Mariners won. Did I think Gary and Quall might have scored the? Was that in Ballarat? No, I, um, maybe maybe I'm mis- perhaps yeah. I'm 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 misremembering. But oh, either yeah. way, it's a it's a game that I'm looking forward to. The the Mariners. Look, look, let's jump into them them now. Mm-hmm. Garen Quall's introduction off the bench late in this game wasn't enough to to steer them to a positive result or either even a point as they went down two one to Perth Glory with Aaron McInerney, former Hearts man, got to get the uh, the cheap Hearts plug in, um, scoring the the goal that ultimately proved decisive. Mariners not at their best in this game at all. They they struggled to get a foothold back into the contest. So, Mac, so where was the Perth Glory striker? Is that uh, Bruno Fornaroli? No, he wasn't playing. Yeah, well, let's touch on that before we get into it. I, I agree with you. Mariners were very, very poor, um, but they still had a chance to bring it back in. In the dying stages, they were throwing everything at the Glory to get an equaliser. Even, you know, we got Vukovic running up the field at uh, at a couple of corners as well to try and uh, to try and score and get them a, a, at least a draw and a point back but yeah the talking point of the whole game it even came through in the coverage was um they posted Perth Glory posted their lineup on on Instagram and said Fornaroli's not playing cuz he's injured and but in fact he replied and said replied, I'm 100%, 100% fit and ready. and ready to play in perfect english too which is great um so it's an interesting one. So there's something's going on out west. What have you heard? What do you think it is? What's what's the deal? Oh, there's been uh, there's been a lot of rumor and conjecture flying around as to to what the the true story is. There's been some rumors around contract disputes. Ruben Zadkovic tried to suggest in the post match press conference for this game that. Bruno Fornaroli might have been hacked. I'm not sure I'm necessarily <laughs> buying what Ruben no, Zadkovic no, yeah. is selling on that particular occasion. And then there was also another story I saw that perhaps Fornaroli had complained or raised a concern around fitness, found out he was going to be starting in the bench and didn't respond well, and that's what led to him being dropped altogether. Now, these are just the stories that okay, I have yeah, seen online. I, I'm yep. not saying that any of them no, have any and the other one, the other one basis I, in fact whatsoever. The other one I saw was potentially that if he scores goals, there's a trigger clause in his yeah, contract yeah. which gets extended and they're not willing to part with that kind of money for an, an aging striker. But it's interesting because we remember him being frozen out of – Warren Joyce's Melbourne City due to skin folds and that kind of thing and he refused to play him and he got to the stage where he missed almost an entire season before he went to the glory. This is round three. Are we going to see the same thing happen again? I mean, this is a guy that whose form at Perth Glory last year got him an, an international call-up for his adopted homeland of Australia. He's pretty the much Uruguayan, the – I mean, right? I don't even think it's – other than some of the young talents who came through, I think it's fair to say that Bruno, Bruno Fornaroli was about the only positive in like, the yeah, glory, glory season the last year. Only shining light was, well, we may be rubbish, but we've got a guy that's made it through to the national team. He's going to try and score a goal against Japan and get automatic qualification. Like That's an amazing story. But then you got him, he's, it appears that he might be frozen out again, and that's um, that's – Disappointing. Well, it hasn't done his Socceroos hopes any. Uh, <laughs> or his any glory benefit, hopes. I think sure. posting on that doesn't have done his glory hopes uh, uh, any good either. And you know, he's an amazing scores, amazing goals. His highlight reel is second to none in this competition, and it would be such a sad, sad way to end 
his time there. I'm sure he's, as an Australian citizen, he will get a lifeline in the A-League somewhere else because uh, you're I not think taking so a, a visa spot anymore. I mean, that that was kind of quite cynically my first thought re- around all of this. is like, which... Who will take him? Yeah, which, we go. which A-League men's team could use a striker? I was almost thinking, gee, the Mariners, if Paul Iongo isn't really working out quite as well as Marco Arena, I could see a really good tandem... Because they're both quite, they're both strikers who I think look for a, get a link, lot of guys, get a lot of yeah. credit for their goal scoring exploits, but are also really good at bringing others into play. Uh, Jason Cummings and Bruno Fornaroli. I mean, what a what a front two! Yeah, could what go, a front two! That could that go, that go to Qatar. Be. That's a front two. Could that, go to Qatar. That could be. <laughs> yeah, if only if only Graham Arnold was committed to playing four four effing two, we might have a might have a chance of seeing yes. something like that. But that that kind of was my first thought: is where else could he land? You do, and I don't want to. I don't know what's happened in this situation. I don't know what will happen. I mean, it's only. I think it's not unfair or unreasonable to assume that we might not see Bruno Fornaroli don the purple of the the Mariners again. That the I mean, glory, the glory, yeah. Sorry, of, yeah. The, of the glory, the glory again. Um, that's not. I think that's definitely within the realms of of possibility. But it's it's. Not, it's also not a great look, and and I was someone who was very much on the side, an advocate of Bruno Fornaroli, opposed to this cruel regime that Warren Joyce and said Warren yeah, Moon yeah. was was running running against him at the time. But when it when you're running into an issue at both clubs, it's it it's hard to see. It feels like quite a coincidence to be the victim of unfortunate, unkind circumstances at two separate entities. Look, in the A-League, it very much could be true. Mm -hmm. You could just be a victim of bad management at two separate clubs. But it's hard, I think, for a lot of people on the outside looking in to see it that way. And you can't help but wonder if someone else who's thinking about taking a punt on Fort and Raleigh, whether or not they might see it in that way as well. Just having a, a quick scan as well, Lockie. So Perth Glory aren't at home until after the World Cup. Yeah. So they Oh, and it's and we haven't even we're talking about the individual. We haven't even mentioned the fact that this is really the last thing Perth needs is more disappointment, more frustration, more controversy and losing a a star striker in seemingly such acrimonious circumstances isn't doing anything to help that. And we should be talking about them winning because they're, no one tipped them to beat the Mariners over there. They're quite understrength, understrength squad and size, and they got their first first three points on the board. So um, they're going to struggle a lot. They're going to struggle a lot. But um, good on them. They knocked off the Mariners. So um, a great start. We'll see how they go into next week. Did this Did this game take any... Did, did Jason Cummings take a hit, his Socceroos ambition? Did Garen Quall's Socceroos ambitions yeah, take Quall, a hit? Yeah, Quall wasn't great. Quall, I didn't think Quall was great myself, but, um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't watch it closely enough with my eyes on the, on the World Cup, to be honest. I can't, uh, I can't give you an answer on that. I don't, Would, think, I don't think Cummings has to score every week for him to come into calculations. Well, so, I mean, I, that's fair, but I guess mm. some people would say that he's so much on the edge of the frame that he should. Okay. I mean, he did get a kind of... Quasi semi assist for the 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 opener from Sam yep. Silvera because it was him who cut the ball back. Uh, much to my disappointment, as a a fantasy owner of Jason Jason Cummings, uh, a fantasy my fantasy captain, mm. 
this week, to be fair, still made the right call changing the captain because it was on Nani. He got negative yep. two. So still, uh, still a better choice than what I originally had previously. That's running some pretty poor defense for my fantasy team. I should be probably thinking about relegation rather than who's the captain um, or resignation even. <laughs> but he did get that cutback. It wasn't given to him as an assist because I think it came off Someone Paul Iongo yeah. on its way back to Sam Silvera. But... It was his. That was clearly where he was intending the pass to go. Anyway, that was his vision mm. to create that, and that does speak to what he offers as a soccer striker in a way that probably some of the options don't yeah. can't do necessarily. I think we you can see from the opening few rounds that Jamie McLaren is working on that side of his game, trying to do that a little bit more, but he's just not as good. I think as versatile as Cummings is in 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 that particular regard, but. Yeah, Garen Qual is kind of the the concerning one. He's got so much of the the hype around him. His role, if he is to be included in the Socceroos, will be as an impact sub. He came in to this game, didn't really make much of an impact. He had one shot that was blocked, didn't really create an awful lot. Perhaps that's a greater symptom of the Mariners' dysfunction in this game as much as anything The Mariners were very poor, and Qual as an impact sub has been an impact sub in most of the... Games that he's played, you know, this is probably one of the very few where he hasn't been that impact sub, you know. He doesn't have a large professional um, CV to show anyone in regards to what he's done. So I don't think that's that's hurt his chances, but he'll need a couple more games leading into the squad to actually do a, a couple of things to to get a spot there, I reckon. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's just kind of nice to know that he's human, I guess. Like yeah. he doesn't have to score with... Every single yeah, he's first failed. touch. Yeah, that's right. He's failed once, so we can't. We he can't actually write, is write him is off too much. it's possible for him to have a bad game. There's there, mm. there's hope for the rest of us who have put in a poor showing. Well, look, before. he's gonna, he might be our he might be our one and only Premier League guy. And also, saying, but so. also, if this was the English media, if yep. we were Talksport or some <laughs> yeah. equivalent station, we'd be like, his head's already on the plane. His head's <laughs> at St James's Park. Yeah, that's, that's why right. he's not performing. You know, he's he's already on the way out. That's Fair why enough. he's got one foot out the door, and that's why he's not putting in. But Last game of the round that we'll talk about. We really, we probably, probably save the best till last. Probably the best game of the round, yeah. In front of in front of uh, sixteen thousand fans, which is a, a great tally um, at the rejuvenated home Allianz Stadium, uh, Sydney. Still waiting for the first win at that rejuvenated home as they played out a two-all draw with Adelaide United, which almost had everything you'd want in an A-League game. Like, it was it was almost the perfect kind of A-League game. If you were di- to distill the essence of the A-League being an exciting but also imperfect competition into a single fixture, you probably get something that doesn't look a million miles away from this game because there were great goals. It was an entertaining spectacle. The Cove made a great noise. And there was also a heap of controversy as... Oh, a horrendous red card. As which one is, of the yeah. worst red card decisions I've ever seen, which has, for those who haven't caught the the mail that been dropped last night, yeah. has been overturned, um, rescinded. So Hiroshi Ubisuki will be available to play this upcoming weekend. But I just... We don't, we don't want to spend too much time talking about the decision because it has now been overturned. Mm. Common sense has been has prevailed, I guess. But it, I I was analysing this red card replay, like the Zapruder film, mm. and I could not really, other than the studs showing, 
come up with a justification as to not it being a red card, but how VAR looked at it and thought, yep, all good. No clear and obvious error. No need to call well, that's the, uh, the the Daniel Elder over over to the monitor. He did go over to the monitor and, and kept it, didn't he? Did he? Yeah. No, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure. I must have I must have missed that then. No, no, no. I'm pretty sure he went over and he went. No, it's still red. Well, like everyone was going. It actually will be overturned, but that, it didn't happen. Um, you know, and then like you said. Well, um, then I can even understand it even less. I know. Though. That's why it just bamboozled everybody. But then you thought. Um, Sydney FC are going to run over them and absolutely smash this this game. I mean, they scored two two goals in five minutes to take the lead back off Adelaide United in this, that second half. So, um, you know, down to ten men, they were two one up for ages, and then against the the run of play, Harry Van der Sar against his old club scores the equaliser, fifty eighth minute, and um, two all. And then we had some pretty um, some pretty great end to end football. For for the rest of the for the rest of the game and probably one that um, Sydney having that man advantage for so long and having that two one lead after they initially um, uh, got that man advantage would probably be ruining the fact they didn't win this. Well, they've, they've, fair... they've thrown away three points, I think, and, and not because they were the better side necessarily, yep. but just because they had the man advantage for a- so a- long. Adelaide have um, pretty much hung on and got uh, that hail mary one point at the end with that with that man advantage that that missed out. Um, it was quite telling with the, the post-game interview straight away that all were talking about the red card. That's only and everyone was talking about it. Both players, coaches, and Craig Goodwin was the first one on the mic mm. saying we need to get this right. Well, it we, ruins we, the spectacle, you know. Uh, yeah, and we do know that Carl Viard is, is is a manager who likes to to focalise if if there is a uh, a contentious call or a, yep. a penalty to be. Um, dissected and analysed as opposed to what's actually happened on, on the pitch. We know he's someone who does like to, I wouldn't say court controversy, but does like to, to pay particular mm. attention to those kind of things. I don't have his exact quote, but he did say something like, you know, this this an incident like this is right, not what people come to see. They don't want to see the game refereed like this. It's and true. I, I mean... Yes and it's no. It's all true. Look, look like, it, was, it, it turned into an exciting game, yes. It turned into an exciting game. Because of those reasons, but it could have been two all with eleven on eleven as well. You it did know? get people talking though. Well, people were paying attention to the to A League, and well, sometimes all publicity is good publicity. We talk about yes, this is true. I mean the the okay the official account of the A Leagues. Not only did they this is a bit of like media media mm. watch going on here. Not only did they share the decision, which I think is fair. Uh, yep. They've done that with other red cards. There's plenty of precedent. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, but they also. Uh, said it would be looked at straight away, they didn't said, they? But they, they said it would be looked at, but they also quote tweeted and shared Charlie Austin's thoughts on the refereeing yeah. call. Now, I think that's I think that's that's very clever. You want the numbers up. You you've the got, the, com- you you've the, got the conversation. Yeah, 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 yeah. You've got the conversation. You've got the discourse surrounding it. Why not strike while the iron is hot? And they did it in a slightly slightly different way. So I think clearly the people who were working on promoting the league are thinking – yeah, it's a bad call, but it's you know it's it's giving us a boost. It's people been, are talking yeah, about us, and it got people hooked on what otherwise was a great game. Yeah, maybe you would say it could have been more, but for no, no, I agree, it was a great game. But we need to get those decisions right. It's something as basic as that, I think, anyway. But um, yeah, look, it was a fantastic round of football. The talking points, <laughs> the red card, the social media, the um access all areas. Let's uh, see what. 
round four has in store for us, I guess. Yeah, should be exciting. And on that round four, we don't know what the status of Adam LaFondra is in terms of the injury that saw him come off quite early in this game. Patrick Wood came on, though, and I thought did a... A really good, really good job. Adam Lafondra, I think, inside this new look front three approach with the the wingers in Mac and Lolly who like to cut inside and sort yeah. of be inverted. Not it looks like he's him, sort yeah. of been a bit lost. Whereas Patrick Wood, who's a bit more of a a physical, well, I want to say more of a physical presence. He's just taller. Mm. Um, was doing, a, I think, a much better job of linking up with those two and getting that interplay right. I think he mounted a scoring as well. I think he mounted a really solid case. For for actually taking that 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 starting spot, I think that the that's a good headache to have. Mm. I think that the bad headache comes down the other end of the field for Sydney, where their defence with the absentees that they've got at the moment just to, was again really poor. I mean, it was it was Red Sea defending really for the mm. opening goal scored by Ryan Kiddo because they just just parted it. Honestly, you would have thought Ryan Kiddo was Moses. It just separated. And through he went to score, in fairness, a very nice goal. But it just seems like there are good defenders there, but someone whose job it is to be the organiser, to get all those pieces functioning as a defensive unit, is what they're they're missing. So an Alex Wilkinson or a Jack Rodwell returning into this side... They make a difference. They can't come soon enough. But Sydney FC have a history of looking after their older players and their young guns tend to go other clubs. As we can see, Talbot and Neuenhausen and a few others, Bahadja and all these guys now getting runs and getting uh, doing quite well for themselves at other clubs. So I would think that uh, Alfie will get another go at it, proving his fitness. I agree with you. But Wood, if he, if he misses good. a couple of weeks and Patrick Wood keeps that sort of thing up, mm. I still ag- I'm still i inclined yeah. to agree with you, but I think Patrick Wood will give a very strong account of himself, if not to start at that club, as yep. you say, to maybe start at another. Mm. Yeah, well, it was a, it was a good week. It was a, it, on on the whole, it was yeah. a, it was a good week. There were certainly more positives than there were disappointments. Uh, we'll, we'll probably save our quick fire predictions to the end. In the meantime, we might head to a bit of a break because the other thing we do have to talk about was the the women's World Cup draw finally coming through. An intriguing, intriguing draw for the, the Matildas with uh, some familiar. Faces. We're going to head to a little bit of a break, but on the other side of it, we're going to bring in uh, Pakua Frimpong to to talk to us a, a bit more about uh, about what it all means. Victory looking to build. Barbarousas is quick. Is he in behind top or Stanley? It doesn't matter. Costa Barbarousas. Wow. Great to have your company on the Oz Football Hour. We're here today for JIS, the Global Institute of Sport. You can kickstart your career in sport with a postgraduate qualification uh, in such courses as a, a Master's in Football Coaching and Analysis. Now, I didn't know this. But you can actually do this course. It's online with a, a couple of touch points at the MCG. You can have this whole thing done in a week. It's a week-long course. That's quick. Here That's I was. Th- uh, here I am thinking I'd love to do this course, but um, 
I'd, I'd love to, to get it done, but, you know, it's going to take me such a long time. I'll be here for like eight years trying to get my master's because I'm <laughs> stupid and I'll fail a lot of the units. But no, I could fail them in, in a week uh, and still but have time. you wouldn't fail this particular course because they've got such great help, helpful staff. Exactly, like? exactly. So they would, they would guide me through and I could have a master's degree within a week. And uh, if you're interested in that kind of thing, uh, shortcuts, that's what we love here. Uh, head to gis.sport slash FNR to find out more. But speaking of finding out more, as the world gets set to come to our shores next year, uh, we're going to find out more about the World Cup draw, what it all means for the Matildas uh, and to do that, we're joined by Pakua Frimpong. Pakua, great to have you back behind the uh, the microphone. While Radio Dub's in hibernation, we can still wheel you out for the important stuff. Yeah. No, no, I've been in hibernation. I've liked it. I've slept this this particular, when the draw came out, I was awoken. Yeah, well, I, 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 had to, um, I had to be the one who, you know, thawed you from the carbonite yeah. hole that like we kept you in. I was Ivan Drago. was just like... It's like time to more like Han Solo. You were just trapped in 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 the carbonite, a bit like Jason. I I had had a bit of a carbonite like you know farm going. Just two people, just like frozen. But I unthought you for a good reason, and it was uh, to let you watch the the women's World Cup draw, which saw the midfielders placed in a group with uh, a couple of names who were not exactly unused to in Canada and the Republic of Ireland. Nigeria were thrown in there just for a bit of fun as well. What was your initial reaction to to this? Grouping as uh, as you saw it come through on the live feed. Uh, when when we we were when we, when we just found out we obviously we were going to be the host of the tournament. I was it was great to obviously to be the host of the tournament. But the downside of that is because you get put into pot A, some of the better sides probably get shift down into pot the second pot. Mm. We didn't get the Dutch, who I was really really anxious about, but we did get Nigeria and the Republic of Ireland, who are really difficult teams. We faced the Republic of Ireland not too long ago when came short in that matchup and that being their first game I think we really have to start strong in that tournament because the two biggest games for Australia in the tournament are the Nigeria and Canada game in which we don't play because they're probably the biggest the hurdle biggest hurdle for us to make the round of 16 and the Australia Canada game at the end of it all so if Australia if the Matildas can start strong in this tournament against the Republic of Ireland and avenge that uh, past defeat I think it sets them up for a good path. But if they don't do well in that game, they might be in for a very tricky group stage. I think head-to-head with Canada, it's about it's quite even historically. Although yeah, but they've re- got significantly form. better yeah, yeah, recently. They've got recent form, they're a lot better with the gold medals. Um, it's going to be difficult. The most difficult part I found, I think we did at the start, was trying to work out what the stadium names are in the in the country <laughs> when no there's idea. no sponsors allowed with FIFA tournaments. We need and we need these sponsors. To, yeah, where's Melbourne Rectangular Stadium? Yeah. Do you guys know? But you know, it has been made to Melbourne Rectangular Stadium for for a minute. When you do look at Google, I, I have noticed that. It has a quick snap poll question without notice. If you were going to change the name of Melbourne Rectangular Stadium, make it a bit more, I don't know, jazzy. What would you call it? Amy Park. Okay, it's non-commercial. We're not allowed. But imagine you're working for the ABC and you're trying to name this particular stadium. What would you call it? I'm not out. I'm on the out on this one, Jason. I'm not creative. Num Stadium. Ooh, that's yeah. nice. I like, I like it. That. Yeah, yeah. I like that, Jason. Because we've got a Melbourne Park, Yarra Park, MCG, all the rest of that. See, some people and were it's... trying to put forward Yarra Park with not realizing that it's the name of the gardens that get used as the car park Correct. at the MCG. Be fine, but I, I guess we're trying to look at like Swan Street Stadium. Mm. No. No. No, I like that one. There we go. We work with that one. Olympic Boulevard Arena. 
Jason, let's we'll get stop, back let's to start. The- anyway, <laughs> that's the topic. So you were talking about we're talking off air about Nigeria being quite the danger game. Yeah. So we not not much is known from the, you know the layman about uh, Nigerian women's soccer. Tell me about them and and what danger that game faces being played at the Brisbane Rectangular Stadium. The Brisbane Nigeria really strong, um, really strong side, quite physical. Uh, Name escapes me currently. I will get it up on my phone. But one of the best uh, African women's player of the year came comes from mm-hmm. Nigeria, uh, plays for Barcelona. They haven't had a good run as of late uh, in the AFCON. They struggled to get out of the group and they failed to make it into – failed to progress because they lost to Morocco, who were the eventual finalists, uh, who lost to South Africa. But in a one-off kind of situation where it's kind of really – high-pressurised situation. They've got a long run to fix a lot of their issues. I think Nigeria are probably the toughest opponent because they've got the most quality players, I would say. Um, the Republic of Ireland, really difficult side also. Katie McCabe plays for Arsenal, had a tremendous season, really carried her side uh, as a captain to this tournament. But that Nigeria side, I just don't think they match up well with the Matilda's. That's my biggest concern as a quite a fast team that is quite physical. We've seen when the Matildas have played sides like that, they've really struggled, especially defensively. And that is my concern that we won't, we might, we'll score a lot of goals because we're great. We're good at that. But the defensive side of the, when we lose the ball, that's a big concern for me. So the Irish game is the one that kicks off the, the tournament in Australia and already tickets are on sale from today. If anyone's interested as well, the first lot of tickets, extremely reasonably priced the women's world cup. And it's in our own backyard. I, implore everyone to go out and buy tickets. Um, that's going to have quite the Irish contingent being played in Sydney as well. Um, and all from what I can gather and remember, all group games are played within the one country. Yes. So um, New Zealand will get the likes of the USA. and the, and the New Zealand really, they got all the luck in. They got, you know, good for them, obviously. Yeah. But um, they really got all the, some of the really, the, the more flashy uh, fixtures because I think we've got a lot of really great fun uh, yep. games, but maybe in terms of quality, they've got a, a well. Big who, who, are the, who are those countries you're talking about? Are we talking about Netherlands? Yeah, the, and- the, the Netherlands and the uh, the United States game. That's probably the biggest game I, off the top of my head in terms of in the group stages because those two sides have good history. In the last uh, Women's World Cup, the final, the uh, United States beats uh, the Dutch, so that's going to be really exciting. To start at the and see, Sweden in uh, is also based in uh, in New Zealand, New Zealand as well. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, the groups split across Australia and New Zealand. Is there obviously most of our attention is going to be on the group that the Matildas are in? Is there another one that 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 tickles your fancy, Pakura? Is there another one that you'll be particularly paying attention to? Well, Lockie, if you give me two seconds to bring the groups up on my phone, I'm gonna I'm gonna submit my own and not for any other reason than just like pure fascination with this particular grouping of countries um, and obviously Spain being, you know, a, a solid side. They've got that sort of interesting dynamic happening with this uh, stoush that's happening between the coaching setup and, and some of the players. I think it was 15 players who are now no longer part of the setup. But Spain, Costa Rica, Zambia and Japan. It's just just a great eclectic bunch of of countries. I'm a, I'm a huge fan. I'm probably looking forward to Group H with uh, Germany, Morocco, who came second in AFCON recently, and then Korea as well, because they've got a lot of really quality players. Uh, Group H is probably exciting. It might not, for the average fan, it might not be uh, a real showstopper when you look at those sides in there, but I think it'd be a fun, mm. fun group. And in terms of ticket sales, if you're going on the FIFA site in terms of low availability, the games at Hyde Marsh Stadium in Adelaide, 
China and England, all low availability already. And I think that Brazil might be playing there as well. Um, that all, Brazil group's quite fun. Uh, that well, their first game is against Jamaica, is it? Yes. Is it and uh, Last game. Yeah. Last game. And they've got, uh, they've got Bunny. Uh, I've got to forget her last name, but she plays for Man City. She was uh, one of the top scorers in... Uh, in France before she made her move to Man City, and that's going to be a really exciting. Match. Was it Brazil, France, Jamaica, and a, a playoff winner to, All vibes, to, be I say. Des, to, to be decided too? Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm best looking forward to maybe, it. Maybe best food in that group. Yeah, we, hopefully they've, they've got the food there. I'm, I'm I was going to say not if it's at Amy yeah. Park. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, Melbourne Rectangular. Melbourne Rectangular Stadium, Stadium, of course. Yes. So the Swan Street Superdome. That's that's <laughs> my uh, submission. Uh, Pakua, a last one on this just before we get to sort of wrap up the show. You talked about the the danger the hidden danger of some of these uh, opponents in in the Matildas group Canada being the last fixture of the three help or hindrance I think it's it's great at the start when you don't have to think about that because if you start with Canada and you were to lose it's a lot of pressure yeah it's like on, hanging it's, over, it's your, hanging head, over yeah. your head but it's not it's a it's not a hindrance so long as the Matildas win that first game because if they beat the Republic of Ireland I think they can get a result against Nigeria and then, final, and then game. final game, then it's... Nice little handshake. Yeah, yeah. against okay. Canada. They, Is um, it imperative that Australia top the group? Will they be okay second? I think the I second think, second think place they, leaves second, them to the possibility of no, England. Is that right? I think Matildas need to put their best... They need to have their greatest form they've had in a, a little yeah, long because, while. Because that Engl- to face England in the round of 16 is almost a death sentence. Not because... Just what do you mean? We can ins- invoke the spirit no, of the Olympics. That was a lot. And it, us as all fans watching that game, it was a lot of luck because if we look at the XG post that match, it was, we, we, it was we, we pure it, Aussie spirit. Come DNA. on. Abso- yep. Absolutely. But <laughs> Aussie didn't need sure. Um, but the Matildas really need to start, start the tournament really strong. And if they can finish top of that group, they can avoid some of that hectic schedule that would yeah. force them if they were to finish second in that group. Canada actually come back from Perth. They play in Melbourne, then in Perth, and then back in different Melbourne. Different time zones, Different time zones. Hopefully they lose their luggage. If <laughs> yeah. The way the flights are going at the moment, we might yeah. be in a bit of luck and cause but a little no, bit of chaos. I think if the Matildas can put a performance like they did in that second Canada matchup, because I think the first game with Canada was – Canada definitely should have scored a lot more goals, but in the second game we faced them, they were a lot more competitive. So if we can see that sort of performance from them, they have a greater chance of beating Canada heading in that last game. It's so exciting. No, yeah. I'm f- yeah. excited. Jason, how many games are you going to? I'm going to I've booked all of the Melbourne games, the group didn't games. Didn't you say something about having a Melbourne pass? I don't even know there that. Is there is yeah, so there's four games in, in Melbourne which I'll go to. There's two round of sixteen games in Melbourne which I'll also go to and Oh wa- Jason, you're that this Yeah, and no no wonder all that no wonder all the games have low availability. Yeah, it's because Jason Goldsmith has hoovered up all the tickets. Yeah, the family tickets, they're so look, group games are twenty dollars for an adult category C at in, in Melbourne Rectangular Stadium and kids for 10 bucks. Seriously, go, it doesn't go, make any sense yeah. to go me. Along. That go women, along, buy tickets, everybody. It's going to be a great tournament. Let's show everyone what great hosts really we are and feel the stands. I really want a big show out between yeah, the Nigeria-Australia yeah. match. But not even just the Matildas games, but all the rest of these games because I understand that a lot a lot of people are just getting into women's football and the Matildas are the, the gold standard and the, the English, obviously. But... Some of these other smaller games in people's minds are going to be a lot of fun and they've got a lot of quality players who women's football has moved a lot since the last uh, World Cup. So 
Some people are always afraid, oh, the quality's not as great, but the quality has got so much better in such a short period of time. It's going to be a really exciting tournament. Well, thank you, Pakua, for, for helping us to, to build the hype or continue to build the hype for what is probably the, well, the biggest sporting event that, we've seen in, in the country, something like Commonwealth a... Commonwealth Games 2006. No, no. The Olympics doesn't mean as much to me as a, as a football consumer. Are you game, Pakua, to, to stick around with us as we do some, some quick fire? I'm talking name no, I'll, a team predictions the, for the A-League men's. I'll, be, I'll do the timing like I did on the window because Lockie takes a long time, Jason. You, can, you just, have to, say, just have to say I've got to, team I've got to go home for dinner. Yeah, exactly. He's got Ten kids. Over. Let's go. Okay, well, th- that, that should make the quick fire of this all even, even easier. Uh, it starts on Friday night, Western Sydney Wanderers against the Newcastle Jets. Jets. Wanderers. See, I, I do tank, don't I? I do take a bit longer. Uh, draw. <laughs> draw. Brisbane Raw versus Melbourne Victory. Victory looking to return to winning ways as they travel to Queensland. Because oh, I want Joe Knowles to do well. Brisbane Raw. Uh, victory. Victory. See, that one was swift, but to be fair, easier prediction. Central Coast Mariners and Western United, the, t- the, uh, the league's bottom two sides, just to point to their name respectively. Uh, who adds to that tally? I'll go with the Mariners. Draw. Draw. Draw, but don't feel good about it. MacArthur, Sydney FC, Saturday night, home game for MacArthur. 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 I don't think this is hard, this one, personally. MacArthur. But, again, don't feel great about it. Adelaide United, Perth Glory at Hindmarsh, 3 p.m. on a Sunday. That sounds like a nice afternoon if you live in South Australia. Jason, you go first. This one. Adelaide United. With Bruno, all the stuff with Bruno, I'll go with that late as well. What do you mean? He's 100% fit and ready to play. He'll be back. He might be 98% fit. 99.999 recurring Adelaide United. And then wrapping us up, Sunday 5pm, Melbourne City playing host to Wellington Phoenix. City. City. Yeah, City. Pretty easy one, I think, in the end. And that does wrap us up. That was a legitimate... Quick fire round of predictions. That was it's as not quick. Quick fire when you kept going. That was as as quick as I've ever fired off my predictions. Good work, lucky. but not not my quickest wrap of the show. But uh, yeah, thank you for for joining us. If you missed any of it, uh, make sure to head to your preferred podcast platform, and you can catch the Oz Football Hour on demand if you search Football Nation Radio. Uh, but until then, Jason, I'll let you get to your dinner. Pakura, I'll let you get to whatever it is you do after the show, and uh, we'll see you all next week. Victory looking to build. Barbarousas is quick. Is he in behind Top or Stanley? It doesn't matter! Costa Barbarousas! Wow! Yeah! Like a salmon, a spawning salmon. And Diamante again! Oh, he's done it! Unbelievable kick. Come on, here.